Hi, I'm your host, Brittany Spence, and this is In the Face of Illness. We are a podcast committed to cultivating a greater understanding of the many resources available for families facing childhood illness, because we believe this is a vital topic of conversation, not only for families in the throes of the fight, but for everyone. Ultimately, we are here to offer hope in the face of illness. Taylor Brown is a board-certified music therapist at Le Bonheur Children's Hospital. She studied music and psychology at Union University and music therapy at Belmont University. Taylor sees patients throughout the hospital and uses music to help them reach non-musical goals, and she is passionate about serving patients and families in the medical setting. She enjoys spending time outside the hospital reading, baking, seeing musicals, and playing with her dogs, Hamilton and Sadie. We're excited to have Taylor on with us today. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. So this is a role that I don't know as much about. Um, it's now been 15 years, which is so hard to believe since Force was in the hospital. Wow. And this was not a role that was there mm-hmm. 15 years ago. And so um, I'm excited to hear more about your role as a music therapist and for those that are listening to also hear more about your role. So tell us about music therapy at Lavonner Children's Hospital um, and what the kind of role of that is throughout the hospital and in the NICU. Yeah. So um, kind of like I said, in like you said in that intro, I like to think of music therapy as um, using music to accomplish non-musical goals. Um, so for patients in the hospital, um, that can look like um, singing their favorite songs to have some normalcy for them. That can look like analyzing some song lyrics to help process emotions about being in the hospital or difficult new diagnoses or things like that. Um, That can look like using music with NICU babies to help them um, get used to the stimulation of the world that they're not supposed to be in yet. Um, A lot of different ways that music in a hospital setting can, um, can help patients and how music therapy is impactful in working with patients, but not only with patients, but with their families also helping them and supporting them through their child's hospitalization and just kind of sometimes that looks like being a cheerleader and sometimes that looks like just standing next to families during really difficult moments. Um, but I love I love music therapy um, and just getting to um, use music in a really special way for um, for patients while they're while they're in the hospital. So I think about those NICU babies and how, as you said, they, they often come into the world way before, mm-hmm. quote unquote, they were supposed to. And so in the beginning, it's so important that they have this um, world that mimics the wound. Mm-hmm. So it's quiet and dark mm-hmm. and very little stimulation. But then yeah. eventually they have to start to be able to, you know, accept the world. Yep. You know, the world is loud and, mm-hmm. and noisy and especially if they have siblings and dogs and all of the yes. other things. So... Do you just start out, tell me about that with the NICU. Like, do you start out with just slow, quiet music and then build up? Yeah. You know, is there a, you know, I don't want to say there's a week, but is there kind of a time frame where you're like, okay, they're ready. Tell Mm -hmm. us a little bit about that. Yeah. So you're very right. And I know, you know, all about the the NICU life um, with Forrest. And so with babies who are born prematurely, you're right. We want to mimic that, that womb environment where it's dark um, and it's quieter than, the loud world. Um, and so we definitely want to, to mimic that. And then there's lots of research within the music therapy world. Um, and then just with, 
like neurodevelopment in in children where um, once babies reach um, around the 32 week mark where they're currently 32 weeks um, that's when a lot of research shows that their brains are able to process music um, where it's not overstimulating for them and so for music therapy we wait until they're about 32 weeks old before we start introducing any kind of music so before that we want to mimic that um, that womb environment but then once they get to about that 32 week mark we start assessing you know how are they handling when they're being touched during their care times how are they responding to the loud noises in the room is it maybe a good time to to introduce music as a way to help them process that stimulation and get more used to it um so yeah i that 32 week mark is is a good kind of number to start assessing but it's definitely not a magic number where as soon as a a baby hits 32 weeks they're automatically ready and when you say introduce like is that guitar is that piano is that violin like what or is it all of the above? Is it just background music? Kind of what does that mean? Yeah. So with um, music therapy, there is a, a separate certification outside of your regular music therapy certification for um, working with NICU babies um, just because they are a really fragile population. So we want to make sure that we really know what we're doing with them. Um, but once they hit that 32 week mark, we want to really be slow and and soft with what the with the music that we're introducing. So really soft humming, soft singing, really little stimulation still, but just introducing it slowly. And then once they are able to tolerate that, then we can maybe introduce some soft guitar um, or maybe put all of those three together. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's a technique within the music therapy world for NICU babies, and it's called multimodal neurologic enhancement. Um, And it uses like holding babies out of bed with some positive touch and some humming and singing, um, and then combined with some rocking, so some vestibular stimulation, um, using those in a specific order um, and seeing how babies process that stimulation as a way to to kind of track over time, like, okay, today they didn't, we didn't get as far through the progression, but maybe tomorrow we can try and they'll get further along in the progression. Um, So that's really a, a cool way to kind of see over time how babies respond to that and stimulation. And that's you doing those things, mm-hmm. not the parent. Well, so I always can um, can do that. But if parents are, are at bedside and available, I love to teach parents how to do that yeah, okay. so that that way they are more involved in baby's care because I know it can feel really scary. Mm-hmm. Um, like they don't know what to do and they don't know where to touch and they get nervous about all the lines and tubes and everything. Um, and so if parents are, are um, present and, and willing, I love to in- include them in that so that that's something that I can teach them and then they can do on their own when I'm not there they can continue doing it when they get home Um, because there's not really a magic number for when we want to stop multimodal neurologic enhancement Um, there's some research that shows that after a certain time they might not need it anymore but it's definitely not detrimental Mm -hmm. I think Mm -hmm. I think it's always just a good thing for those NICU babies to continue learning how to process stimulation since they're just not used to it Um, but yeah just promoting that just bonding with yeah. their baby, yeah. um, promoting some normalcy, some autonomy for them, I think is all really, really good things for those those parents and caregivers at, for NICU babies. Yeah. When I think about just even myself, my own children, you know, that, that use music as a form of therapy ourselves, that, you know, when I'm really sad, you know, there's a certain type of music I end up listening to when we're pumping up, you know, we're, we're driving to a cross country meet or a football game or a baseball game. We have music that pumps us up. You know, we've got music. My husband and I've always said, you know, there's, there's certain songs, especially that 
can trigger for us an emotional release, especially in regards to forest. And I lost my mom a couple years ago. And so there's sometimes when I feel this built up, like I am really sad, but I don't know how to get it out. Mm -hmm. Music can do that for me. Um, And we're actually, one of my kids kind of has a hard time with it. He's like, I don't understand why you purposely listen to sad music to make you sad. I'm like, because I need to release this. Mm -hmm. And so I think about even as an adult, that music is therapy, mm-hmm. you know, and it's in its own way, even though I am not in any way musically talented. I don't play instruments. I don't sing well. I can't carry a tune, <laughs> but I enjoy listening to it yeah. or, you know, being moved in that way. And I think um, that's that's exactly why music therapy is why it works. Yeah. Is that music is a natural part of our life and our world and in every culture, pretty much music is um, ingrained in that culture. And so at a basic, just human level, we respond to music in some way. And so then if we can use music purposefully and therapeutically um, in music therapy services, then it's just able to, to reach a different level of our brain than just talking about something or, Mm -hmm. um, even reading about something, we can really like listen to music and talk about it. We can listen yeah. to music and release our emotions. We can do lots of different things with yeah. music because it's just at a basic human level. Like we respond to it, just like you said. Yeah. Okay. So then tell us, we've talked about the NICU role. Tell us about the role of your older children or, you know, toddlers on up. Kind of mm-hmm. tell us about that role of music therapy. Yeah. So, um, for example, right now at the hospital, I have a handful of preschool age kids on my caseload. Um, our other music therapist, Courtney, um, which she just started this year, which is really exciting. Um, she has a lot of older kids on her caseload right now. So it really just kind of depends who's in the hospital and who might need music therapy services. But and how is that? Let's stop there. How is that decided? How is it decided? Because obviously there's what? Could be upwards of 250 uh-huh. patients. Yeah. There's no way two of you right. can see all 250. How is that decided on who could benefit from music therapy? Yeah, so we really partner with our um, our child life specialists that are on the units um, to really kind of have them be our, our, um, our forefront, kind of looking for who might benefit from music therapy services okay. because – Really, anyone can benefit from music therapy, but in a hospital of upwards of 250 kids, how do we prioritize who really needs music therapy? Um, And so we look for kids who are maybe having a hard time processing um, all their emotions while they're in the hospital. We look for kids who are going to be in the hospital for a long time and would benefit from um, some normalcy in their routine. Um, We look for kids who maybe are nearing end of life and their family needs some extra support or some memory making items and things like that. Um, Really prioritizing who really needs music therapy um, and who would really benefit from it. And then once we have those referrals, kind of Courtney and I just kind of divvy them out for, okay, you have three kids on your caseload. Here's one for you. I have four kids on mine. We're good now. Or you know what? I really love that kind of patient. I'm going to take this one. And you really love that kind of patient. You take this one. Um, But yeah, prioritize prioritization of the referrals that we get and who gets music therapy services is really important because you're right, we can't see the entire hospital all day, every day. So the referrals really come from child life specialists that are on the floors in the units. Yeah, we work with our child life specialists a lot where they can kind of talk to us and say, hey, I have 
this six-year-old who's really having a hard time what do you think about music therapy services for them okay Um, and we'll talk with them that way or um, a lot of our doctors and nurse practitioners um, are really familiar with music therapy services and they'll put referrals in the system um, to say you know this kid has this going on I think they would really benefit really anybody can refer a patient for music therapy I even have sometimes families will hear about music therapy just in the hospital um, and they'll talk to their doctors and just request for music therapy services so um, I really love getting to especially with those families, talk to them about what did you see about us? What did you hear about us? Mm -hmm. How do you think we can help your child here? Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, we work with a lot of different people, but our child life specialists, I feel like are kind of our front front runners of because they do see the kids every day because they're on the units where we're kind of covering all the units. Mm -hmm. Um, But, yeah, just working with whoever we can to to get those referrals in. And are those and we'll go back to kind of what that looks like with older kids and toddlers. But are those is it once a week? you see them? Is it every day? Is it every other day? How does that work? It really depends um, what kind of we're working on with kids. Um, For example, my kids that I have on my caseload right now, um, I have, like I said, a handful of preschool age kids. I see them about once a week. Um, For kids who might have some more difficult things going on, we would definitely try to see them as as um, as often as possible, maybe okay. like two or three times a week. Okay. Um, so it really just kind of depends how they are medically, what we might be working on in music therapy, how often maybe their families request us come by. Um, so we can try to partner with those requests while also being realistic about all of the kids that we have to see. Okay. Okay. And then tell us about you know, what that looks like. What does it look like with preschool age? What yeah. does it look like with school age? And what does it look like with teenagers? And I know everybody's obviously different. Right. And sometimes even in their development, they're mm-hmm. different just because you mm-hmm. say one teenager versus another, they're always right. not. But kind of give us a rundown a little bit of what that would maybe look like. Yeah. So for some kids, um, like our preschool age kids, we might work on just some developmental skills. So learning animals and animal sounds, learning colors, learning counting skills all in the realm of music. So singing like Old MacDonald and working on animal sound identification or singing about different colors and where I have like a xylophone instrument that's um, multicolored and having kids find that color and identify it. So we can work on some developmental skills like that. Um, For some of our kids that are our preschool age kids, they are ex NICU babies that have not left the hospital Mm -hmm. and so they are delayed in the sense of that they have not been home and they're still in the hospital and they have just all they've known is that hospital environment Um, so really working on some normal things that they would be getting outside of the hospital like in a home environment or in a preschool environment and things like that like some socialization and normalcy in that way Um, and then outside of our preschool kids once we get into our kind of school age and teenage kids um that's where we can really kind of dive more into the therapy side of music therapy, where we can talk about emotions and process how we're feeling about being in the hospital. Um, we can write songs together um, mm-hmm. about maybe how they're feeling or what they would like to be doing if they were not in the hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, we can develop coping skills. Um, lots of, um, I don't want to use the word intense, but for lack of a better word, more intense things like that versus just working on our counting and numbers, which Mm -hmm. is both are incredible things to be able to do. Um, But really diving more into um, how we're feeling and and what we wish we could be doing or things like that. For a lot of our kids that are in the hospital for a long time, for example, our our heart transplant patients I work with a lot, um, they are just in the hospital waiting on 
their heart transplant and families have to go back to work. They have to take care of their other kids. And so families may not be able to be there as much as they would like to. Um, And so for our kids that are there for a long time, just kind of acting like a friend, Mm -hmm. like I'm going to come in and we're going to hang out and we're going to have fun with music, but I'm going to disguise my therapy in the in exciting world of music mm-hmm. where um like for example I had this teenage patient and um she was going to be there for a little bit and um she told me that um therapy wasn't really for her um but she knows it's you know beneficial to other people and I was like that's cool you know no worries um and then we were able to really dive into her feelings and her emotions and um she was feeling very stuck mm-hmm. and so able to kind of process um those kinds of things where that's she didn't even know we were doing it where it was really exciting um so really yeah it music therapy is so broad in that it can reach a lot of different ages and people um and work on so many different things yeah it's really amazing what drew you to this role so i um i have always loved music um i've always loved like psychology and counseling and helping people and supporting people um and so that's kind of how I got into the field of music therapy, um, where I loved music and I loved psychology and I didn't know what I was going to do with both of those degrees. Um, and then thankfully I found music therapy and I was like, wow, these, this combines what I love beautifully. So, um, that's kind of how I got into music therapy and then, um, getting to work at Le Bonheur. Um, so I'm from Memphis. And so my siblings and I, have all had our fair share of hospital visits or stays at Le Bonheur. And so growing up, I knew, you know, Le Bonheur was a great hospital. Mm-hmm. And it's funny to see what the hospital looks like now versus what I remember it looking like as a kid, mm-hmm. um, the like playground that we used to have and things like that. And so when I was looking for a job, um, thankfully, Le Bonheur was looking for a music therapist. And mm-hmm. it was just really worked out beautifully where um, I was able to um apply for the job and and thankfully got it yeah um and you were the first I mean yeah so the first to ever be in that role we um it's really interesting we had a music therapist on staff sometime in the 90s um, but she did a lot of other roles besides just music therapy okay um and so for me I was the first music therapist hired to just be music therapist okay um, and yeah, so I started as just our NICU music therapist, um, where I only saw our NICU babies. Um, and then over, I've been there for about four and a half years now. And so probably after a year and a half, um, I was able to kind of expand services throughout the rest of the hospital, um, to, to be able to reach a lot more patients and families. Yeah. Yeah. That's really amazing. Okay. What would you want a caregiver to know about your job and how you could, help them. You talked a little bit about that in regards to the NICU, which Mm -hmm. I just love because as you said, um, I remember in, you know, our time with force being so, um, force wasn't premature, but he was still obviously this small baby and, you know, being in the PICU and being struggling with just how can I mother this, you know, tiny infant that's hooked up to so Mm -hmm. many machines and so many things. And so everything they allowed me to do, they taught me how to do oral care with him. They taught me how to, you know, sponge bath him. They taught me how to, you know, clean him off. And obviously I sang to him and we played music Mm -hmm. to him and all those things. And so I love that aspect of you teaching these NICU moms and dads, you know, how they can take more of an active role. Um, So tell me more about that, even in regards. So, I am not musically talented at all. Um, 
but my daughter is. Mm -hmm. And so I think about even her, if she went in today, music, really, she loves to write songs. She loves to play music. She loves to sing. You know, so I think my inclination would be, well, I need to get the music therapist to come in and help. But like you said, that may be once a week. Mm-hmm. You know, that may be maybe two or three. We still got so many other days. How would you really encourage a caregiver to kind of be that role and support in that way? Yeah. Especially if they're not, that's not their gift. I'm not right. going to be playing a guitar next to her. I'm really, <laughs> she doesn't want me to sing. What would be some ways that you would really encourage caregivers to to continue the role that you've taught them, continue doing the things that you have done? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, um... I always tell our, um, even my patients, but especially our caregivers, you do not have to be musically inclined to benefit from music therapy. Mm -hmm. So like you said earlier, you might not be able to carry a tune, Mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean that you definitely couldn't benefit. And so for kids who are musically inclined, sometimes music therapy is even more beneficial Mm -hmm. for them because they really love it and respond to it. But at a basic level, um, most kids in general still do respond really well to music therapy services. Um, But for our caregivers, I um, I love to get them involved in as many sessions as I can. So if they're in the room and it's one of our preschool kiddos and we're working on our colors and animals and things like that, letting mom and dad or grandma and grandpa come sit with us and, um, you know, play with instruments with us so that the kids can kind of see that involvement. And then that also, um, I'm kind of modeling what I would like um if they would be interested, what they would, what they could keep on doing mm-hmm. um, when I'm not there. So, you know, let's keep singing Old McDonald throughout mm-hmm. the week and working on those animal sounds. Mm-hmm. Or while you're watching TV, maybe, and you see some animals on the TV, let's talk about those animals. Mm-hmm. Um, so really kind of modeling what parents and grandparents and other caregivers are able to do when I'm not there. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes for like our teenage patients, Um, we know teenagers sometimes are not the biggest fans of Mm -hmm. their parents Mm -hmm. or anyone else. And so sometimes I'll ask caregivers if they don't mind leaving for a little bit. I'll say, you know what? You go get some water or coffee, go take a walk outside. We're going to hang out for a bit. Um, and that way they're able to really talk about honestly, some feelings or emotions or fears that Mm -hmm. they might be having without feeling like someone is listening to them. Mm -hmm. And sometimes teenagers are, are great with wanting their their families to stay in their room and be a part of that conversation. Um, let me let me ask this too. Yeah. For patients who are, you know, sedated medically, um, you know, that kind of thing, do you encourage background music? Do you encourage, you know, a CD player to be in there? Do you encourage a phone to be next to their head? I I know in the families that I have mentored, I can think of one very specifically she had Uh, CP. Uh, She could, you know, not verbally communicate. But what brought her the most joy was music. Mm -hmm. And her parents would put their phone next to her, um, even when she was very sick in the hospital. And you could tell how much now loved music. And um, if she was doing well medically, you'd see her react to it. Mm -hmm. You'd see her smile and her eyes light up with that music in the background as well. So do you encourage that as well, even when they're sedated and, you know, it's hard as a parent to kind of know how to, you know, interact with them in that situation? Is that something that you encourage as well? Yeah, I do. We have, and that, that is kind of the, the difficult part of, 
a children's hospital is we have we have kids who are awake and developmentally appropriate and just kind of hanging out waiting on a heart transplant. Mm -hmm. And then you have kids who are really sick Mm -hmm. and are sedated or other forms of um, of that where they are just are just there and their families feel like, you know, what can I do in that moment and Mm -hmm. how can I really help them? Um, I absolutely love when I walk into a kiddo's room and the family has like a Bluetooth speaker Mm -hmm. and they're listening to, you know, their favorite music as a family or the kids favorite music. Um, So I always encourage families to to just like you said to to have some music playing um if i we have a lot of cd players and things like that so Mm -hmm. i'll always offer you know can i bring you a cd player Mm -hmm. to leave at the bedside because like we said earlier i sometimes can only come once a week Mm -hmm. and so that's six other days where they're not getting that you know one-on-one music therapy service um so can i bring you a cd player and some of the random cds that i have um I have one Bluetooth speaker. I need some more probably. Yeah. Um, where can I bring my speaker? And that way you can just connect your your phone to it and play whatever kind of music you want to. Um, is it, like you said, where you just want to put your phone next to their head and just kind of play some of their favorite music softly? I, I always try to encourage families to do that. But sometimes it's really interesting. We can tell that patients don't need any stimulation Mm -hmm. um, for any age um, based on maybe some medical things that are going on. So sometimes that music playing can do the opposite, can do the opposite, like you said. Um, And so really kind of talk with families about making sure let's make sure we're watching our vitals. And if the nurses maybe say, you know what, I think it's time to give the music a break. Let's try that. And so really balancing that, that normal sense of music life that's kind of playing in the background of the room with let's make sure it's not medically doing something we don't want it to do. Yeah. Well, I think about even, you know, the difference in 15 years. I mean, 15 years ago, it really was. I mean, we had a CD player um, that we bought and brought in. Um, So we bought a CD player, brought it in, and then we had all these CDs. I love it. Um, you know, where nowadays I do think for the most part, you mm-hmm. probably have, you know, a phone or an iPad or something with a Bluetooth yep. and you can play Spotify or you can play. That wasn't 15 years yeah. <laughs> ago, but I still have those CDs because mm-hmm. they brought such comfort to David and I. And then also, you know, whether it was worship music or whether it was baby hymns or whatever yeah. it was, but it, it also brought such comfort to us. And that's Absolutely. something... We've had families who have partnered with us who um, who have said the same thing, and they have um, been a part of our giving back program, and they've bought many of those CD players that y'all have mm-hmm. came from families saying, you know, this was such a blessing to us. Yeah. You know, we want to be able to provide that too. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's so many different aspects that Labonner does so well, you know, in recognizing that need, recognizing that um, obviously music is a big part of the therapeutic process, um, and then bringing on someone else too, seeing that, you know, you as one can only do so much, and so bringing on that second person as well. What's your hope for the future? What do you hope as far as where this program goes, or what do you foresee um, you know, it really being able to do. There's a huge news about the Ryan Seacrest studio coming. Yes. Um, so tell us a little bit about kind of your hope for the future and where you see your program going and your role absolutely. going. Yeah, I um, I would absolutely love for us to have just a ton of music therapists mm-hmm. um, at Le Bonner. You're exactly right where me being the only one, I was doing a lot of work, um, but I was also missing a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and so thankfully, 
my director, Jessica, was able to kind of take some time and really build up the we want another music therapist. When is the best time to ask for that? How do we go about asking for that? And so um, she was really great in in advocating for another music therapist, which I so appreciated. Um, and so now that we finally have our next one, it's kind of the same thing again, where I can see we're seeing so many more patients and we're getting so much done, but there's obviously still kids that we're missing. Mm -hmm. And so I, and I, <laughs> it's funny, my director, Jessica, she she knows how big I I um I dream for the music therapy program at Labonner, where I would love for us to just have a ton of music therapists mm -hmm. that are able to see so many kids throughout the hospital, you know, potentially expanding services into the outpatient setting mm -hmm. or into the emergency department setting, where I think music therapists could be um, beneficial in all of those settings where we're not just in the NICU and we're not just seeing a handful of kids through the hospital, um, but really reaching a ton of kids with music therapy services. And so I... um that's a, a huge dream of mine is just mm -hmm. to have a lot of music therapists. Um, and then with the, with the secret studios that we're getting, I, um, I just see that as such an incredible opportunity for, um, for just music in general to be a theme of the hospital mm -hmm. where kids can go there and experience, you know, hosting a radio show mm -hmm. or um, seeing how TV shows like our, our um, game shows and things like that are produced. Mm -hmm. um, and so getting, that opportunity for kids to be able to do that and then maybe I see them for music therapy and I can go with them mm -hmm. and we can kind of talk about all the things that they got to do in the Seacrest Studios. Um, I would love to be able to potentially use that space as and I don't know I still am learning a ton about what all Seacrest Studios can do mm -hmm. um, but potentially being able to use that space as a recording studio for kids who want to write songs and mm -hmm. record them mm -hmm. um, where you know I can we can go in their room and close the door and maybe put a sign on the door that says like recording in progress, don't mm -hmm. enter. Um, but sometimes it's loud in the hallways. And so maybe that space could be used as a recording studio space for some kids who want to um, pursue that. And then that really feels like more of a, a real music, not music therapy um, recording studio space, yeah. which is really cool. So yeah. I think there's, there's so much potential for um, what music therapy can do in the future at Labonner. And I would love to just see, us grow as much as we can. And you and I kind of off the podcast talked a little bit about it. So this is definitely, um, you said here in Memphis, St. Jude and Le Bonner both have music therapy yes. on staff. And then uh, quite a few, you would say, of children's hospitals across the country are starting to add that more to mm -hmm. their roles. Is that yeah. correct as well? Yes. Okay. Yeah. It. Um, if we look at kind of for especially for Le Bonner, we have the U.S. News and World Report mm -hmm. that comes out every year. Most of the hospitals that we are ranked with um, also have music therapy services. And so it's really great that Le Bonner is able to say that they also have that. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it's even you know more fantastic that we were able to say we added our second one this year, mm -hmm. which is really great. And Courtney has a lot of experience in mental health. Um, and so she's able to reach a lot of different patients. Um, not that I wasn't able to see, but that's mm -hmm. really her passion where mm -hmm. she's able to work with a lot of our um, mental health patients, which has just in the world has been an increase mm -hmm. in, in kids. And so, yeah, I think there's across the board, the best children's hospitals have music therapy services, which is really great. Yeah. Well, thank you for what you do and your role at Le Bonner and just the difference that you are making. Um, I know that that would have been um, a gift to us 15 years ago of just um, I knew back then music brought me comfort. Mm -hmm. And so I thought, you know, and I, I also, 
I hated leaving forest in just a quiet room Mm -hmm. that there was nothing. I loved knowing that when I left, you know, I could play some soft music Mm -hmm. and that hopefully he still felt like, you know, there was something in the background. You know, I even left notes for the nurses of, um, so I was very big on his bedtime routine and, you know, what I did as far as, uh, the oral care and the bathing him and the music and the reading. And then we shut down, you yep. know, the lights and all that stuff. Yep. And uh, some of my nurses early on, cause back 15 years ago, you couldn't sleep at the bedside mm-hmm. in the PICU. And so um, I remember calling in the middle of the night when I would get up to pump, I'd call and check on him and they'd be like, man, he is wide awake tonight. <laughs> Just didn't. And I'd be like, no, 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 nope, no. He's asleep, He's supposed right? to be asleep. Right, 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 right. Like, <laughs> I need you to tell me, you know, if he is wide awake, I don't want to know because it hurts my heart yeah. because – I want to, if he's wide awake, I want to be there. We're going to pretend that he sleeps right. all night long and that he rests. And then when mommy comes in the morning, mm-hmm. you know, we, we do our routine again. So I know it would have been, you know, a huge encouragement yeah. to me as well. So thank you for everything you do. Thank you for Absolutely. the difference that you are making. And we encourage anyone who listens, um, you know, one of the hopes of the podcast is um, an education piece. So we do family stories. You can hear family stories and what they've gone through and hopefully those that are walking this journey or have friends or family walking this journey that they can um, say, gosh, I'm not alone. But the other aspect is the education piece of all that hospitals can offer. And so if you are in a hospital that offers a music therapist, we ask that you seek it out, Mm -hmm. you know, give it a shot, ask your nurse or ask your doctor or ask your child life specialist. Is that someone that can come and see us? And we can talk. If it's not something that your hospital has, we also encourage you to seek that out, to Mm -hmm. talk to someone about that role being added and what that looks like. It may not be added by the time you're in the hospital, but that could be something in the future for future. Mm -hmm. Um, It brings me such joy to know that even though those things weren't there 15 years ago, it brings me so much joy to know how many more things are offered for families today than there were 15 years ago. Um, And the same, obviously what I had in 2007 is very different than what was in the eighties and nineties. And so um, it's encouraging to see how much the hospitals are really taking that into account of, you know, that the the whole person matters, not Mm -hmm. just fixing the illness or the trauma or the sickness, but the whole person matters. Mm -hmm. So thank you for what you do. And um, we're excited to collaborate with you um, now and in the future. If there's anything we can ever do, let us know. Yes. Thank you so much. Thanks. Thanks for being on. Thank you for listening to our latest episode. We hope that this podcast is a resource for you and a source of support. Whether you are facing illness in your own family or want to walk beside other families dealing with childhood illness, we want the stories, wisdom, and knowledge shared to give you hope. Episodes will be released bi-weekly, so be sure to subscribe today.